1: Welcome to Sportsmobile's Premier League Preview podcast. I'm Barney Corkill. I'm here with Pascal Lemaire to talk about match day 11. A goalless draw in the Manchester Derby last weekend allowed Arsenal to finish it level with Man City at the top, while at the other end of the table, Sunderland were the big winners against local rivals Newcastle. This week sees Aston Villa start life without Tim Sherwood and a blockbuster managerial showdown between Jose Mourinho's Chelsea and Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. It is at Stamford Bridge that we start with both managers in growing need of a victory. Pascal I got to come to your Mourinho first. It's all unraveling for him at the moment it seems. It
0: really is, yeah. You know, the form hasn't been good, the performances haven't been good, and there's all the all the other things as well. It's not like he's just there on this touchline, just you know, and, and stuff is just happening on the pitch. He's he's getting himself the headlines. You know, he's not going to press conferences. He's had multiple football association charges this season. You know, his, his assistants are getting sent to the stands, like the West Ham game. That was another defeat for them. You know, fifteenth in the table, really, really poor. Lost five of their ten Premier League games this season. That's the worst ever start to a Premier League season. Worst start since the seventies, I think, which just shows you know how bad it's been. Because even before Chelsea had all the money, you know, they they were doing better than they are now. So really, really unraveling for him, and certainly. The rumours are, you know, he could be gone soon. I mean, if they do sack him, it's going to take a monumental amount of money to, you know, cancel that contract because he signed that new contract in the summer. Who's going to come in? You know, would it be a return for Ancelotti? Guardiola has been linked. You know, he's always linked with jobs in England and whether he comes in, you know, he I saw he got really angry at his press conference last night about questions over his future, if he's going to stay at Bayern because, you know, he's very much a season-by-season season kind of manager and... Yeah, maybe Chelsea. If they think the season's you know gone for the time being, they might inter- appoint you know an interim boss until the end of the season. If Mourinho goes, and then think Rodgers is going to you know go, go for Guardiola at the end of the season. So interesting times at the moment. It's been a terrible start to the season. Defeats, you know, League Cup loss uh, on Tuesday, West Ham on Saturday. The league table's not good. Out of the League Cup, Champions League hasn't been great. Really, really poor so far.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that's buying him a bit of time is obviously his past success and rightly so. But also that m- amount of money it will take to get rid of him. But all the rumours are pointing to it. If he doesn't win this game, he could be a goner. If not that one, then Dynamo Kiev the week after that in the Champions League. But certainly midweek didn't do him any help help in the League Cup going out to Stoke City. To be honest, Chelsea didn't play too badly in that. They they should have won that game. They certainly deserved to uh, at least get that late goal to get to extra time. But again, it was just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net it's been their problem quite a few times this season as well as defensively of course defensively again only Norwich Bournemouth and Newcastle conceded more in the Premier League and there was questions over the defending for the Stoke goal as well it was a great strike from Walters but Cahill just gave him far too much room on the edge of the box to get that shot away which you didn't really see happening last season so that's, that's a big problem they finally got the goal that they deserved, but then couldn't see off a 10-man stoke in extra time, which would have been really mm. disappointing, despite having so many... I think it was 24 shots on goal in the end. So many chances in the first half. They were a little unlucky with one cleared off the line, but then Ramirez missed mm. an open goal after he rounded the keeper. Really disappointing. And then to lose on penalties, hazard of all people, mm. who'd probably be back more than any other Chelsea player to score from the spot. He was the one who missed the results and penalty. I have to say, Butland it was a great save mm. from him, and he had a great game. So... Chelsea can point to that, but another disappointing result. A better performance than many we've seen this season, but it's the, it's the results business, and Mourinho's just not getting them at the moment.
0: Yeah, and they're obviously not going to be able to win the League Cup, which is a huge blow for them. And just looking at the league like table, I said 15th, you know, you look at the stats, they need to take 2.17 points per game from now on to reach an average of 71.8, which is what you've needed to get in the top four the last five years. That's going to take a huge, huge effort from them to average that for the rest of the season. You just can't really see it. You know, last time out of that West Ham game, I think certainly, I think, you know, they lost Costa to injury last night. We're not quite sure how serious that is yet. But I think certainly losing Courtois, you know, for how long it did was a huge blow. You look at both of West Ham's goals. You know, the first one was a good strike from Zarate, but it's near post. And I think you should be expecting your keeper to make that. And then the second goal, the winning goal from Andy Carroll. Cross comes in and uh, Begovic, he just started to come a little bit. And that just made him a bit out of position. And he wasn't sure to come or go. And then Carroll heads it beyond him. I think if he'd maybe stayed on his line and been a bit more ready for the header, he might have been able to save it. So I think... Losing Courtois really hasn't helped them. We talked, you talked about how bad the defense has been. You know, losing him he was such a star goalkeeper for them, wasn't he? And I think Begovic, even though he's had a good few years at Stoke, he's a real downgrade from a, you know, Courtois for me. And you know, losing Costa like they did last night is such a big blow for them. So injuries coming in. We've talked so many times this season about all their players being out of form. You know, Fabregas hasn't been himself. Azar, like you said, it's incredible that just how good he was last season. I absolutely loved Hazard last season, but watching him this year, he just looks completely different. Player, so all those things, you know, the injuries, the players not playing well. Certainly, that Mourinho has got to be a part of that because he's the one, you know, coaching them and drilling them. So it is a part of that for him. But you just, I, I still do think that they're going to come good sooner or later. Uh, You know, put together a good run because you just look at the players they've got and you just think surely they will. And Mourinho's record down the years, surely he'll turn it round. But the way things are going, you do feel like time is running out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And they're coming up against the Liverpool team here now, who they might regard as uh, threats for the top four, because that top four stat you mentioned with Chelsea, we're still kind of regarding them as title uh, contenders that they might get back into it. Mm-hmm. But the, missing out on the Champions League is a really big risk for them mm-hmm. at the moment. And the way they're going, they're certainly not going to mm-hmm. make it. The way Liverpool are going, they, pro- they might not make it either. Cause Klopp's made a bitty, a bit of a... Inauspicious start to his time in charge as well, has only Three draws in a row so far, not the best performances in any of them. Last time out against Southampton, looked like they were going to get the win after it wasn't a great performance in the first half, but Benteke came on, changed the game at half-time, got a really good header to put Liverpool in front, but again they just couldn't see the game off. Mane's. It was a scrappy late equaliser, but... Liverpool perhaps should have done better defensively for that one. So there's three draws in a row for Klopp, five draws in a row for Liverpool and nine in the last 12, including the one against Carlisle and the League Cup, which they went to win on penalties. It's just not really good enough. There's too many drop points. They're not losing games, which I suppose if you if you want to put a positive slant on it, that could be one. But too many drop points for a team who wanna get into the top four.
0: Definitely is, yeah. And you know, we we're recording this before they play Bournemouth in the League Cup tonight. That's that's a really, really big game for them now because, you know, you see Chelsea and Arsenal going out, you know, they've they've gone out. So it's a real chance maybe for Liverpool to go through tonight against the Bournemouth side. They're out of form themselves. If they can go through Liverpool, you know say you know there's certainly a chance to you know they could could get a nice draw in the next round of the cup and you know even if Klopp you know struggles a bit in the league you know going going to the semi-finals or final or winning the league cup you know that'd be good for them to do that and you know certainly the goals is a real issue for them isn't it you know you talk about Benteke that was a great header but there's was only one goal there and only Watford and West Brom have scored fewer goals than them this season you know Benteke's now a doubt for the weekend Sturridge, you know it looked like he was coming back but now he's he's out of the squad again and it doesn't look like he's going to be ready for the weekend he's certainly one of those players at the moment who you know, every time he seems to be getting close to get back fit, he just he never quite does. He'll play like say one game, come on for say half an hour at the end, but then he'll he would tweak his hamstring or whatever problem he's got. So it's just he really needs to sort something out soon because we know Ings is out for the season, if Benteke's missing here, Sturridge, Origi's probably gonna start in that case and what we've seen so far, he doesn't really look like a Premier League quality striker yet. And he's still very young, but certainly at this moment, he doesn't seem to be a Premier League quality striker. And Liverpool, away from home as well, haven't won since the opening day that win at Stoke, which they didn't really deserve. You know, Coutinho scored that great goal to win it. But apart from that, you know, they've drawn a lot. You talked about all the draws, they've drawn a lot away from home this season. Just not winning enough games, really, to be considered at this moment a top four contender.
1: Yeah, they do usually score past Chelsea, but
0: six games since they last beat Chelsea. Which way do you see this one going? It's well, yeah, two two teams who are pretty out of form at the moment. You know, it's you certainly can see it either way, but the way things are going for Chelsea, being at home, you know, like you just mentioned, their recent record against Liverpool. I'm just going to side with them to edge it two one.
1: It's one that could go either way, and it? it depends which Chelsea turn up on the day. They just haven't got the results, even when we've backed them time and time again to come good. They just haven't got them. Liverpool haven't really got going under Klopp. I think. My prediction might change depending on what happens tonight in the uh, League Cup against Bournemouth, but I think I'm going to go for another Liverpool draw, one all for me. So we're going for one narrow Chelsea victory and a draw.
0: Onto the 3pm kickoffs, and we start at Selhurst Park, where Crystal Palace are up against Manchester United. Barnes will start with the home side last time. It was a big game against Leicester, you know, two of the early good starters in the Premier League, but 1 0 to Leicester. How do you see it?
1: Yeah, it was a disappointing result and a disappointing game, I think. Um, everyone was predicting a lot of goals between two teams who provided so many goals this season. I was personally predicting a Palace win 3-2 because Palace have been so good away from home this season and Leicester always liable to leak goals but it's actually Leicester's first clean sheet of the season which Palace will be really disappointed about they've got the tools that could have really hurt Leicester but never really happened it was quite an even game on the whole a bit more boring than most people were expecting only really decided by that one mistake by Breda Hangel and giving the ball straight away and then can't give Vardy a chance like that in the form he's in at the moment it was such a good finish from Vardy as well flicking the ball over the keeper I actually remember Lionel Messi doing something similar to that against Arsenal a few seasons ago in the Champions League so a great finish from Vardy uh, to do that but all in all a disappointing game for Palace a disappointing result for Palace especially and it's now back-to-back back back to defeats after three wins in a row so Pardew wanna snap themselves out of that run obviously it's not gonna be easy against Manchester United but they'll back themselves in most games they just need to get out of this form
0: yeah, have got the United game on Saturday. They face City in the League Cup in midweek. You know, so they have got two Manchester clubs. Then Liverpool after that in the next three games. So it's a big sort of run coming up for the club because that was a you know disappointing defeat to Leicester. And now they've got these three you know tough games, and I know Liverpool aren't in the best of form, but you still probably back them there. So if if they go on a bad run now, say lose all three of these, go out of the League Cup, you know, say lose two more in the league, you know, they sort of fall away a bit because you know they've been such a good start season. But one thing I don't want to do is fall away like that. They're still sitting seventh in the table, and you know, certainly it's still been excellent start of season. That game against Leicester, I think it. You know, everyone was expecting, I said, goals in that one. The way Palace have been playing away from home, I think it was a, it was a real disappointment. But I think maybe Pardew he might try and mix it up up front. Maybe you know, Dwight Gale was suspended for that game. He could come back here. They have got Conor Wickham who's close to returning as well. So maybe they need to just change something up front if they just lacked a bit of goals there. But I think it certainly just looked like a bit of an off day for them. I think with the players they've got, you know, the way they've been playing this season, I think you back them to come good again soon
1: yeah, but that run of form they've got against the big teams will be quite worrying for Pardew because uh, we've been mentioning their waveform away from all season, how good it is, but their home form's not too bad. Won seven, uh, four of their seven home games this season, and the only teams they've lost to are Arsenal, Man City and West Ham. We know how good West Ham have been particularly away from home. They've beaten some of the, the very biggest teams in the league already this season. So they're only losing really to teams who are very good on the road and or, or the top teams there will be a worry coming up against Man City, Manchester United this weekend, and then Liverpool. They may not pick up too many points in that spell, which which could uh, undo a lot of their good work at the start of the season. But then after that, Sunderland and Newcastle, so things get a bit easier for them, and they'll be confident of at least bouncing back to form then.
0: Going mm. up against Uniteds, you know, who last weekend, you know, it was the big Manchester derby. You know, it was a big, big Sunday of football, wasn't it? And that was billed as sort of the headline act, but it really disappointed. It was. Such such a poor game to watch back. There was very few chances. The first shot on target didn't arrive until uh, late in the second half, I think. And both teams just looked so scared of losing. I think that was the case. You know, in previous Manchester Derby's in recent years, we've seen a lot of goals. You know, but this one was certainly a case of look, we don't want to lose this one. And I think for United, being at home like they were, I think it was a bit of a missed opportunity for them because if they had one, you know, gone for it a bit more, they would have overtaken City, you know, at the top of the table there. So it was it was a big game for them. A draw is certainly not the worst result. You know, they're only two points behind them in the table, but. The game itself, very few chances. You know, Rooney had another another really off day. You know, the stats after the game really looked bad for him, and he, he really needs to put himself right. Because he's still the captain of the team. He's still, you know, Van Gaal still sees him. He won't like feel questions about him. He still sees him as a really important player. But the way he's playing just isn't good enough. The one. Only real moment to talk about in the game is the penalty appeal that United had when Herrera just sort of stuck his foot in front of Sterling, got there first, but he sort of put his foot across Sterling and I think then Sterling, he couldn't really get out of the way and it would have been really harsh to call it a penalty. I could have seen if it was given, but it would have been quite harsh, I think. But yeah, so not the best performance, but a draw, obviously not the worst result against your rivals because they don't get the three points and you know, you stay in touch with them.
1: Now yeah, I think both would have been fairly content with all the way the match went. United, as he's mentioned, probably had the better things of most of the game, but it keeps their run of going. At, run going have only lost one of the last eight games. Now drawn two in a row prior to tonight's uh, League Cup match against Middlesbrough, which probably it's a big match for Van Gaal. A couple of the big boys, Chelsea and Arsenal, both went out on on Tuesday night, so it's a good chance now for United to really uh, to get a trophy under the belt for the first time since Fergie left. The last last trophy was the Premier League title. Van Gaal he could do with a bit of silver in his cabinet because there's been questions over the progress the team are actually making under him so far, particularly with the amount of money he's bought. I'd say their stats are look they're, they're looking decent you We've questioned his defence quite a few times over his tenure, but he continues has a good record at the back. No team's conceded fewer in the Premier League so far. They are the lowest scorers in the top six, and they need the likes of Rooney, you mentioned there, to really get firing because he just hasn't got going at all so far this season. Likes of Memphis, he's dropped out of the team lately. He hasn't been anywhere near the standard. Personally, I thought he'd be. I thought he'd come in and take the, uh, take the lead by stormy. He's been better in the Champions League, but even then he's been dropped out of the team against C S K Moscow recently. So they could do with those sorts of players. Martial's gone a little cold lately after a fantastic start. They could do with those players finding their form again in the final third.
0: It could be quite a good game. This, you know, United, their record against Palace really good, you know, never lost to Palace in the league and they've won the last four games against them. Which way do you see it going?
1: Yeah, as I mentioned, Palace tend to lose against, to, uh, against the big teams at home. So I can see United returning to winning ways with this one. I'm going to go for a 2-1 away victory. Two, one.
0: Yeah, I think this one again, United probably start the game with slight favourites. But I'm backing Palace to just get a point in this one. Really wasn't impressed by United last weekend. And the way Place talks about Rooney's playing at the moment, he's going to start again because he's the captain. And I just see Palace getting a point. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. So we've got one narrow United victory and a draw.
1: OK, from one Manchester club to the other, and it's league leaders Manchester City taking on Norwich. Start with the home side, Pascal. Really disappointing display against Manchester United last month.
0: It really was. Builders a big game on that, you know, Super Sunday of football, and it so just disappointed all over, you know. Certainly, City went there and they didn't. They didn't go and attempt to win the game. Really, so they had you know key players missing. You know, Aguero and Silva. I think the mi- Silva missing really would have changed the game for them because you know Bonnie certainly offers an option up there. But they, they really lacked that creative spark. You know, De Bruyne had the odd moment here and there, but he he went quiet. You know, he's been, had such a you know brilliant start to his City career, but he was quite quiet all game long. You know, Sterling after that hat trick the week before, he was expected to do something. He had a you know, shot early on but apart from that really nothing in it and he almost gave away a penalty as well when Herrera went down I think it would have been harsh on him but you could have seen the referee giving it and the linesman was right there as well so maybe City slightly got away with that one but the rest of the game you know United probably you know edged it you know over the course of the game there's very few shots very few shots on target at, at all in fact so a draw was the right result and I think the way the game went I think Pellegrini probably be happy with that you know they're still top of the table Arsenal joined them there at the top of the table uh, they're level on points now. They're United two back. I think it was a chance for City certainly to you know, extend that lead over United, but I think a draw at Old Trafford, you know, certainly wasn't the, re- the worst result. And yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the table, still top. I think you know that's that's still a good position to be in. Obviously, they regret not pushing further ahead, but you know, the big game tonight as well. They have got Palace in the League Cup tonight. You know, you saw Chelsea and Arsenal go out, so it's a chance for City to progress in that. You know, some big boys going out there, so they'll fancy some silverware there if they can keep going. And I think Palace, you know, will be favourites tonight. I think that Manchester derby, a couple of. Uh, City players came out after the game and said they were pretty
1: content with that draw, mm-hmm. the way the match meant. And it did end a four-game winning streak for them, which would have been disappointing to see that end, but they are now unbeaten in five games before uh, tonight's League Cup match that you mentioned. And they'll expect that run to go on because the next two after that League Cup match in Norwich, obviously this weekend, and then Aston Villa after that, two of the bottom five and they'd expect maximum points from those You'd expect them to get maximum points from them, even if the likes of Aguero, Silva, um, are still are still sidelined. You mentioned how key those two players they are for them, but they've shown that they can score goals without them. With, a, with some, that 5-1 victory recently over Bournemouth, they can get goals, and they'd expect to get more goals against the likes of Norwich and Aston Villa. And if they can, if they can get maximum points from there, they'll be hopeful of going away from Manchester United, as you mentioned, and perhaps even Arsenal.
0: Yeah, they're the top scorers in the league, like so they've got 24, and no teams concede fewer as well. So, best goal difference there, which, with the way of the league at the moment, that always helps. It's very close up there, you know, Arsenal and uh, City up there, then United and West Ham just behind. And, you know, they've won their last three home games in all competitions, scored 11 in the last two. They had 6 1 against Newcastle, 5 1 against Bournemouth, so they're flying at home at the moment. They haven't kept a clean sheet since August, though, so that's something they want to put right, you know. Those games, you know, the Newcastle one, they didn't start well there and the Bournemouth goal they scored was uh, that deflected Murray one. To Joe Hart, he'll be wanting to get some more clean sheets, but in terms of the, you know, it's sort of a couple of seasons back, you know, City were just irresistible at home. Not quite as good at home last season, um, but this season they look really good at home again and certainly that's where, if they are going to win the title, you know, if they keep winning at home like they have been, scoring as many goals as they have been. Uh, you know, even without Aguero, they scored five against uh, Bournemouth, didn't they? So, and especially as they're playing Norwich here, you know, Norwich struggling a bit themselves. That City will start this game as favourites and, Anything but a City win would just be a huge surprise.
1: Yeah, they'll certainly be heavy, heavy favourites for the match, won't they? Norwich, as you mentioned, on really poor form. Lost three on the bounce and then lost uh, in the League Cup in midweek as well on penalties. Perhaps a bit unfortunate to lose that match, but the Everton keeper Joel Robles was man of the match in that game and they only went out on penalties. So perhaps unfortunate to go. And you can say they've been a bit unlucky in quite a few matches this season because they haven't played particularly badly in too many of the games. But another defeat last Saturday against West Brom... It was more the same story. They had they had chances to get something out of the game. Redmond in particular looked pretty threatening as he has all season. He's been their standout uh, player so far this season, but in the end they just dropped to a 1-0 defeat against the West Brom side who themselves haven't had the best start to the season. It was Salaman Rondon, a really good header from him after he'd missed a few good chances in the first half as well. So another disappointing result, but... There are encouraging signs with the performance. Alex Neil said after the game, though, they need to start picking up those points, and they really do. Otherwise, they they could find themselves in trouble sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, they need to. I think the one problem they've had this season is they haven't found that you know starting striker. You know, Mbakani scored the goal uh, the week before, and then he started uh, against West Brom, but couldn't get a goal. Cameron Jerome's dropped out. Lewis Graben's still working his way back to full fitness after he went. You know, he had that a wall incident at the start of the season where. He got dropped for the Rotherham Cup game, and then you know he's obviously not happy there. And they've obviously Alex Neal must have decided Gary Hooper's not good enough because he's gone on loan to Sheffield Wednesday until January. So that's an area they need to improve, and defensively as well. Only Bournemouth and Newcastle have conceded more goals than Norwich. They've conceded 21 in 10, so you know they're not exactly keeping clean sheets. Only one last week, but that's where they need to improve. You know. And they've only won once away from home all season. You can't see that making it two here. And that was the first one away at Sunderland when Sunderland were just all over the place in those sort of early weeks of the season. Um, You know, last time out away from home, 6 2 against Newcastle in their last away game. You know, that game, certainly watching it back. That could have easily gone a different way that game. You know, Newcastle just basically all of their shots went in. Uh, and Norwich, they had chances, and it could have been a different result. So again, you know, away from home, they would lost against Everton last night. But they are, they are playing well. But at the moment, they're just not picking up the results, and that's obviously left them sixteenth in the table. And they are, you know, they really need a win. But I can't see it coming here.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they've got a pretty poor record against Man City. Only two wins in 14 Premier League meetings between the two sides. To give them any chance?
0: Not at all. No, I think City. Even though you know Silva's still a doubt for this game, he might come back. I mean, if if he's on the periphery, you think it's Pellegrini you probably won't whisk him because he should be able to. You know, they should be able to beat Norwich anyway here. And w- even without Aguero, Bonnie's there, Sterling. They should still be final. We have a 3 0 win for them.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I can see it being. Comfortable for Man City as I mentioned, they've still got goals in their team, the likes of De Bruyne, Sterling, Bonnie. They should be able to win this quite comfortably and I agree with the 3-0 scoreline as well. So we're both going for convincing Manchester City wins.
0: No chance for Norwich then Let's go to St James's Where Newcastle Entertains Stoke Barnes will start With the home side There was that massive derby Last time But it's now six defeats In a row against Sunderland After they lost 3-0
1: Yeah dreadful defeat Really for the club and Particularly after winning 6-2 against Norwich You thought maybe They'd start to kickstart Their season It was the one That McLaren The performance He'd be finally waiting for Since he took over And he'd said One of those had been Coming from the start And to be fair In that Sunderland match They performed well again Particularly in the first half You know it was One way traffic for most of it They had the better Of the chances But then there was that that highly contentious penalty uh, right on the stroke of half-time for Sunderland. For me, never a penalty. I think it was decent defending from Collageni. He came across, shepherded the ball back to the keeper. And for them to him to be sent off, even Sam Allardyce said after the match that it shouldn't have been a red card as well as a penalty. He thought pen- penalty was punishment enough. Just very contentious. And you can see why Newcastle was so upset about that one being given. All their players came out after and said it was a ridiculous red card. It has been overturned by the FA and rightly so, I think. But... That really changed the game to, for him. To, for Newcastle to go down to 10 men after such a good first half performance, and having had a penalty shot of their own turned down moments before that, Sunderland were always going to be favourites from then on. Even then, though, you didn't feel Sunderland were really home and giant until that third goal in the final 10 minutes, Newcastle. They had their chances, even with with 10 men. and McLaren can be happy with the performance they put in with 10 men, both in the second half and with 11 men in the first half. But that result, that 3-0 against Sunderland, that's going to take a lot of getting over because it would have really hurt Newcastle.
0: Definitely, and leaves them 19th in the table. That obviously sees Sunderland go above them in the bottom three as it is. I share a different view on the penalty. I think it was uh, a penalty personally i think the, it was right for the red card to be overturned as the fa said it yeah, it was obvious the referee had got it wrong because rob elliot was right there getting the ball fletcher was not getting it but i mean you say there about shepherding it out i think to shepherd out you just have to use your body his elbow clearly came away from his body and was like a shove with the elbow i think fletcher couldn't have stayed up i don't think he really like fell easily i think it was excessive force and just so unnecessary from collacchini very very stupid and Coluccini, you know, he can have games where he'll be a complete standout player, you know, he'll just do amazing things, but too often for me he makes, like, key mistakes for Newcastle, and he's cost them many games in the last couple of seasons, I think, so really, really poor result for them, and certainly McLaren now back under pressure, you know, that was a big, big game for him. Obviously, it was a huge game for both managers, Allardyce, his first home game as well, so both managers, Allardyce ended up on the, you know, winning side, and you wonder... Is McLaren now back, sort of in that you know one bad win away from being sacked because the Norwich game maybe bought him a bit of time, but I think certainly in this one, this is another huge game for them. Stoke at home, you know, another perhaps winnable game for them at St James's Park, and yeah, they will need to bounce back because that defeat to Sunderland is just such a crushing blow.
1: It's a bit of a strange one with Newcastle at the moment because their their on-field performances, some of their players are starting to. He had a bit of form, but the results aren't coming with the obvious exception of that Norwich one. That's their only win of the season. They've only got six points. Joint worst goal difference. No team's conceded more. So all those stats are are pretty damning for them. And obviously, as we mentioned, 19th in the table. only Aston Villa below them, and we know how poor form they've been on. But the likes of Wijnaldum, he got four goals against Norwich, he's looked good since coming in. Mitrovic is starting to improve after a pretty shaky start and a questionable disciplinary record in his first few games. There are positive signs for Newcastle. You mentioned Colaccini there, went at his best. He is a fantastic defender, he's so good in defence. Obviously the Newcastle, they haven't had any luck with their injuries, they've got a long, long injury list, but they, there are positive signs for them. I think McLaren, It could be a few games away from turning a bit of a corner. If they give him a bit of time, I mean, I would be surprised Newcastle were relegated this season, if, even if they kept McLaren in charge, even though they've been in such poor form so far this season. I think there's enough signs of positivity for them to be hopeful of staying in the division.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that's the case among the fans, because they, like you said, they, in, that, in the first half in that Sunderland game, they absolutely battered Sunderland. They had so many chances they couldn't quite get the goal, and then the decision—you know—the game swung on that, you know, penalty decision, and I think they'll be quite confident coming up against the Stoke side here, who sit 14th in the table. Last weekend, they had home against Watford. I think most people had that down as the way Stoke were playing as a home banker. But two-nil defeat there at home against the Watford side who really struggling for goals themselves this season. It was a real surprise, and you know, certainly they just weren't in their best in that game. Stoke—the goal they conceded—there was an unfortunate slip which allowed Dini just that yard of space he needed, and he was obviously a striker quite low on confidence because he'd gone nine games without scoring a goal. So. They they gave him his first Premier League goal and then the second goal was a mistake out on the wing, you know, dilly-dallying on the ball and then uh, I think Igalo nicked it, put it into Abdi and then Butland, you know, maybe he was expecting the pass out to Dini, or maybe a curler, but he let it in at his near post. It was a good strike from Abdi, but I think Butland, we annoyed himself for letting it in at his near post. So that was a disappointing result for them and no goals in that game. Only West Brom and Watford have scored fewer than them, so that's another bad point for Stokes. Certainly they have improved of late, but that result last weekend against Watford, a really bad one. Yeah, but for me that
1: was a bit of an anomaly of a result, as we mentioned, they'd won four in a row going into that match, and they were looking for a response, I'd be surprised if they had played that badly under Mark Hughes, it was his 100th game in charge, and probably the worst performance they've ever had under him, they bounced back against Chelsea in the League Cup on Tuesday night, that was a good performance, perhaps a little fortunate to go into the break, um, uh, still level after... Chelsea had one cleared off the line Ramirez missed an, um, an open goal Zuma later in the game hit the post as well so Chelsea certainly had the chances and he mentioned Butland perhaps being at fault for that second Watford goal for me it was more a defensive error obviously at the start but then Philip Volscheid coming across who was so slow to come across and actually block the shot so I wouldn't put Butland at fault for that but he had a fantastic performance against Chelsea there was a number of saves one in particular in extra time where he just tipped it it just came off the, uh, the shin of Kennedy didn't know much about it Butland have to react so quickly to turn it around and keep his side in the in the competition really with that, and then obviously he made that fantastic save from Hazard uh, with the winning penalty, what proved to be the winning penalty. So he was back on top form. He's been in fantastic form this season, and just the defensive performance from everyone, the whole team, mm-hmm. mucked in, and especially in extra time when they were down to ten men. You would have had to give Chelsea. Uh, the, they were massive favourites after they got that late equaliser and then Bardsley got sent off straight after that so for Stoke to hold out for the extra 30 minutes under some heavy heavy pressure and the likes of Arnautovic, his work rate's been questioned Um, er, in recent years but he just put everything in for the team he was ch- he was such a good outlet for them get, getting forward almost came close to winning it in extra time actually twice for Stoke so all round the, the team put everything into that performance the youth could barely stand at the final whistle because he, he had worked so hard for the team dropping into right back after Bards got sent off there was a definite um, response from Mark Hughes' side and I think they'll be pretty confident they've won the last three away games now without conceding a goal we usually think of Stoke as being a fortress at the Britannia Stadium but their home form hasn't actually been that that Great this so far this season is their away form, which has got the most points. One or three 1 0 wins in a row, had one 1 in 12 and none in 9 before that away from home. So things are certainly improving on the road there, and they'll be confident going into this game, I think. So, do you see them winning this one then? What's your score prediction? I think, as I mentioned, I think Newcastle aren't too far away from getting a good result. But after such a damning result against Sunderland and Stoke, they'll be buoyed. They might be tired from that Chelsea performance, but they'll be buoyed by the result going through to the quarterfinals at the expense of the holders in the competition. I can see Stoke nicking this one 1-0. 1-0. I'm
0: actually going to go the other way. I think... You know, playing 120 minutes, you know, the last 30 minutes with 10 men in midweek, I think that could hurt Stoke. And I just think Newcastle, I was, I was really impressed with them in the first half against Sunday. I think on another day they would have easily won that match and just the way it went. They were a bit unlucky, obviously Colicini will be able to play in this one after the red car was in So I'm going to go for a 2-1 home win. So one for Stoke and one for Newcastle.
1: Off to South Wales where Swansea host Arsenal at the Liberty Stadium. Askew, the Gunners, they moved top of the table last weekend, but we've got to start to midweek. Really disappointing defeat to Sheffield Wednesday.
0: Really was. They've won four in a row going into that game. You know, going to a Championship team. I mean, Wednesday they have, they have they've been pretty good of late in the Championship, but for Arsenal to lose three nil there, you know, worst defeat to lower league opposition since 1959. So a really really poor result and conceding three, not scoring any. You know, there was some youngsters in the lineup. Wenger always does that in the League Cup, but you know, in terms of the back, you know, the back line here, Pestacek in goal, first-choice goalkeeper who's been praised in recent weeks for his performances. Debushi, Chambers, Sacker, Gibbs, you know, he's got... You know, they're all, you know, first, not, not necessarily his first choice players, but they're all players who are capable of playing first team football in the Premier League, good quality football. And, yeah, for them to concede, let in three goals the way they did and no goals at the other end, you know, further forward Giroud started up front, you know, and, but then obviously there was this, you know, not just the defeat, they had injuries as well. Oxlade-Chamberlain went off early, then Walcott came on to replace him, then he had to go off. You know, within a few minutes, so real, real blows there. You know, it's a lot of pressure on Giroud out there, and had Flamini in the middle. You would have thought that his, you know, he's been in the game a long time. His sort of leadership in the middle might have helped, but didn't really. And you have to credit Wednesday really late. It was a fantastic atmosphere there at Hillsborough, and you know, the first goal they scored. It was such a brilliant move. They worked it down the left, great cross, uh, cut back it was, and uh, Ross Wallace with a good finish, and then. After that, the other two goals they conceded, both come from sort of set piece situations. You know, Wenger will be so angry at that because you know, like I, like I mentioned, he had quite a senior defence out there. A lot of players who've played lots of Premier League football for them to see the goals they did. Really, really poor result. You saw Chelsea go out last night as well, and Arsenal. You know, they're not going to be able to win that cup now, which obviously they would have fancied winning. And it's just such such a blow for them to get, lose the way they did because, like I said, they'd won four in a row before that. You know, they beat Bayern you know last week, midweek, and now they go and lose to Sheffield Wednesday. So. Uh, a bit of a crazy result and yeah, some, they'll certainly want to bounce back from that here.
1: And it came off the back of a, a good win against Everton, Everton never the easiest team to play, they win 2-1 on, on that one, go level on points at the top of the table, Giroud another goal for him, Koscielny getting the goal and the only goal they conceded was a big deflection from Ross Barkley which very fortunate for Everton to get that goal so a good win in the league, and they're in very good form in the league. I think they moved top of the table for the first time in twenty months with that result against Everton, and then obviously Man City's draw in the Manchester derby brought them back level on points. So they they go into this game and this weekend second. But I think the recent wins they've had. You mentioned the Bayern one, their huge victory three nil against Manchester United, even the win against Everton last weekend. I think there's signs that they perhaps getting that mental toughness that has been lacking for them in recent seasons and probably is the only thing that's prevented them from putting in a really big title challenge in recent years because they've got the ability they always go for a spell every season when they looked unbeatable it looked like they were going through one of those spells there until the sheffield wednesday result obviously should hold halted their momentum but as you meant as you mentioned should be looking for a big response now they've won six of their last seven so wenger will be hoping that's an anomaly of a result and you suspect it is because They've been in such good form in the league that everyone was talking about them as
0: perhaps the biggest challengers now to Man City for the title. Yeah, you talked about the mental toughness there, and that will certainly be really put to the test after you know that defeat to Wednesday last night. They go to Swansea here, which you know Swansea had a decent win last week against Villa, and you know that's this is this isn't the easiest game. Swansea are usually fairly solid at home, and then their two games after that, they got that reverse tie against Bayern Munich. You know it was huge that they did beat Bayern at home because they needed prop they needed to win at least one of these two one uh, you know two games against them. And now that they have won that, there's less pressure going. Into this one, if they've been beaten at the Emirates, there'd have been so much pressure going into the one you know at the Allianz Arena. So, not quite so much pressure for the Bayern one. But then after that, they've got the North London derby against Spurs in the Premier League. So that's another big game. Three big games coming up for them. And like you talked about, the mental toughness it will really be tested in these next three because you know you talk about the lead position. They are level there with City at the top. It's very close up there. You got West Ham and Man U just behind. So. With the games coming up, tough games coming up. You've got the injuries suffered last night, oxlade Chamberlain, Walcott, we're not quite sure how serious they are yet, so pressure gonna be on Giroux up there. They've already we know they've already not got Welbeck, you know, Wilshire, Ramsey's out as well. So, you know, it's just one of those things at the moment where, you know, Arsenal they always seem to get this injury spell. It's usually sort of around February time when they seem to just, you know, completely crumble. Maybe it's just a bit earlier this year, but they certainly it's just such a big it's a big game for this now because of just that defeat in midweek Sheffield Wednesday. They have to bounce back.
1: Yeah, and those injuries they always shine a light on Wenger's transfer business the previous summer there was big talk about he should have brought in a striker, Giroud and Wolcott not good enough, they've both been in very good form so far this season when we praised them in recent weeks, but now, you look at it, as you mentioned, we don't know how long Walcott's out for, but if it's a, a, a significant spell on the sidelines, if Giroud then gets injured, mm. they could be in a bit of trouble up front, but looking ahead to this game, they're coming up against the Swansea side who, they'll be a bit more confident now, they went for a torrid run of form mm. since August, a six-game winless streak in all competitions, and then ended that with a 2-1 victory over Aston Villa, a very good victory as well, you'd expect you would expect them to beat Villa Villa in such poor form, but it was—it felt like a must-win game at Villa. That perhaps made Villa a bit more tense, but they, the desire was certainly there, certainly from Sherwood, because he knew probably deep down that if he didn't win that game, he would lose his job, and that's how it turned out in the end. They showed good character in the end to come... come Come back from behind. Obviously, the... Ayu got the goal for Aston Villa and then his brother got the winning goal later. Sigurdsson with a fantastic free kick. We know he's got that quality to come up with something special. So, a bit, a, an important win. One they perhaps would have expected considering Villa's form, but a massive victory. And to finally get back to winning ways perhaps they can start to claim the table again after what was such a good start to the season.
0: Yeah, because there was, you know, obviously all the talk going into that game was mainly about Sherwood and whether he'd lose his job, but there was sort of murmurings about the way Swansea are playing that Monk might be on the brink and then he just, you know, he was obviously sort of posed that a sort of question along those lines and he completely rubbished those rumours and certainly any talk of Monk leaving, say if Swansea had lost that game, it would have been obviously a, a really bad defeat and any talk of maybe Monk going would, would be really silly because, you know, last season their highest ever points Finishing the Premier League and certainly they've had a couple of players going off form in sort of you know September October but you know that that was a decent win for them you know good to come back like they did and then you know now returns to Liberty Stadium they've only lost once at home this season that was in their last game against Stoke you know that Monday night game where they were disappointing in that game and they actually haven't won in three at home either since that uh, victory over Manchester United at the end of August so a few draws you know they're, they're quite solid at home but they really need a. A performance to you know spring them to back to life at home and you know a game against say if they beat an inform you know what well in in the league inform Arsenal that would certainly be a, a big result for them to sort of you know rejuvenate their season because after August like you said they were right there near the top of the table and they now dropped to twelfth and they they just need something to sort of pick them up again.
1: So taking points off Chelsea and Manchester United already this season, see them doing it to Arsenal as well.
0: I, I don't know. I think Arsenal. I think it was a real blip in midweek. I I mean, it is a blow to lose. You say if Walcott misses this, Oxlade-Chamberlain misses this, but, you know, they'll have Sanchez back uh, for this game. He's such a key player for them. Giroud has been. He was quiet against Wednesday. He had no luck against the Wednesday defense, but... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. You think he'd probably be back on form for this one, and I think Arsenal come through this one too, nil
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I can see Arsenal getting a, a decent win. Swansea, as we mentioned, they've got good results against the big team so far, but Arsenal in the Premier League, if they're back to the best, especially if they need a response ahead of as you mm-hmm. mean, the Bayern and Tottenham games, two huge games for the club, I can see them running out 2-0 winners as well. So, both going for Arsenal by two goals in this one.
0: At Vicarage Road, it's Watford against high-flying West Ham as will start with the visitors this time up in third in the table after that 2-1 win over Chelsea.
1: Another fantastic win for them. They keep shocking everyone with these results obviously. We know about Chelsea's struggles this season and West Ham is it's probably the best time they could have played Chelsea in the last certainly under Mourinho's tenure. so They would would have gone into that match confident of getting the win, but the fact that they've done it at home, beating one of the big boys at home, I think is an important factor because we know what they've done away from home. They've been fantastic on the road so far this season, beating the likes of Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool already. But to beat the champions at home, fantastic result for them. Obviously, Zavate got the goal and they were helped by... Um, the red card from the manu Matic, Chelsea had to play the whole second half with ten men and obviously Chelsea's meltdown didn't help them either The Mourinho and his assistant both getting sent from the touchlines seven yellow cards for Chelsea, they lost their heads a bit West Ham kept theirs and finally they changed their tactics when Carroll came on they've got a lot lot more options now got the ball wider, put it in the box and Carroll with a fantastic header beat his man in the air you could see what that goal meant to him in celebration so long on the touchlines to get that goal, a winner against the champions fantastic moment for him Came after an impressive away win at Crystal Palace as well, so two really impressive and good victories in the row, and they deserve to be so high on the table at the moment.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That's four unbeaten now. Like you said, the back-to-back wins there, and third in the table, only two points behind Arsenal and City at the top. there level on points with Man U. You know, such a great start, and you know Slaven Bilic. You know, he has had no problems acting to life in the Premier League, has he? And you know, you mentioned the away the away form. They've got the best away record in the league, 13 points out of 15 on, on the road, and the only points they did drop was away at Sunderland, which is a game you would have expected them to win. So they've just been absolutely Fantastic away from home, they scored at least two in every game. I think they've got two in two of them and three in two of the others. So they're scoring goals away from home, no fear at all. You know, Paillet's been the star man for them, but they've got options elsewhere. He got another assist last weekend. He just keeps getting involved in the goals. And certainly, if they're going to keep getting picking up points like this on the road, you know, and if they're beating teams like Chelsea at home, then you'd certainly say that. The way things are going at the moment, the way that all their players are playing, you know, they could get hurt by injuries. But the way they're going at the moment, you have to fancy them to be in, in line for maybe a top six finish. The way they're going, it, it's hard to argue against them. The way they're playing, all their players really doing well, and you know, it's just hard. I I can't really see them finishing outside the top eight, to be honest. They'd have to have a real, you know, they kind of did it last season where they fell away in the second half of the season, but. I think this season, the way that they're a bit more expansive this season under Bilic, a lot more goals. So for them to really drop off and fall away from the top sort of seven, eight places like they have, it'd be a big surprise.
1: You mentioned injuries there. They, I think they. It's only going to get better for them in the next couple of weeks unless obviously they pick up a few injuries, but they've got the likes of Reed and Song, should be back relatively soon and you can only think that's going to improve the team. Song, a really good base in the centre of midfield and Reed at centre back, we know his qualities, he's been coveted by some of the biggest clubs in the league over the last couple of seasons, so that's going to help and Moses returns for this one, he was out against Chelsea against his parent club, so things are looking even better for West Ham going forward 22 goals all season only man city have got more than that so they've got so many goals in the team to hurt the to hurt any side in the league you mentioned Payet there i've i've been such a big fan of his play so far he's been a fantastic addition you wonder why some of the other teams didn't snap him up some of the traditionally bigger teams because his stats over the last few seasons the chances he's created in europe's top league in europe's tops leagues against all the other players, even the likes of Messi and uh, Xavi and Iniesta, the likes of them, fantastic um, stats he's got in that respect. So you wonder why someone else didn't come in, but West Ham got him, and he's they're reaping the benefits right now because him and the rest of the team are performing so well. And Bilic has got them playing very
0: well as well. I certainly think if if Pia g- keeps going the way he's going, you think maybe there might be interest in January, and that's what West Ham might be a bit worried about if he if he keeps you know adding assists, goals every week. You know West Ham, I know they only sign him in the summer, but if someone comes in for him with a big load of money, it might be quite hard to resist, and he's been in such good form. Another player been in really good form is Watford's uh, Odin Igalo. He was key again last week as Watford. It was a good win for them. They went to Stoke, 1-2-0 there. Igalo set up both goals, and I think for, for them to beat Stoke, it was really, really impressive on the road. You know, Stoke traditionally pretty good at Britannia Stadium. They'd won four in a row going into that game as well, so I think Stoke would have been confident. Watford, they were three games without a win, so everything pointed you know a, a Stoke win you know to nil. the way Watford had been sco- struggling to score goals this season but Watford played much better Troy Deeney opening his account first goal in the Premier League massive for him and then Alman Abdi as well who scored a lot of goals in the Championship last season he you know, sealed the win with that great finish at the near post after um, I think Igarla had won it back on the left-hand side. So a really, really impressive win for Watford up to 13th. just gives them that bit of breathing space above the bottom three and really impressive.
1: Yeah, they were helped by some poor Stoke play. I think it was such a terrible performance from them. There was one spell in the second half where they just gave the ball away in their own half so many times in a row. It's a terrible performance from Stoke, you have to say, but Watford took full advantage, and as you mentioned, a very impressive win. Dini's goal its going to be a huge weight off his shoulders because we mentioned it a few weeks in a row, we mentioned it last week, that people were backing him to score goals. He's been in such good scoring form in the Championship over the past few seasons. I, I thought he'd suit the Premier League quite well. He's quite strong mm-hmm. strong player he's, he's got a bit of pace about him and he knows where the goal is so to finally get that goal off his back it's going to be a, a big weight off his shoulders 10th attempt, Icarlo as you mentioned two assists so to add to the goals he's already got this season, the big problem they've had is doing it at home in front of their own fans, they've only scored once all season in the 1-0 win against Swansea which is a surprising statistic really, we know that they haven't scored many goals overall but to have only got one all, at home all season by the time you're in October nearly November, mm-hmm. it's a shocking statistic really, they, they need to improve that.
0: Yeah, and if you look at the recent head-to-head between these two, Watford have won just one of the last 22 league games against West Ham, losing 17 of those. West Ham haven't lost at Vicarage Road for 30 years, winning 8 of 11 there. So, you know, both sides had a win last weekend, but West Ham probably be more confident and the sort of head-to-head record points to them winning. Which way do you see it going?
1: Yeah, everything does point to a West Ham win. I think it's quite interesting the way West Ham, they've beaten the big teams, but struggled a bit more against the smaller teams, I think this, the style of play is suited to the opposition having more possession. They might expect more possession than Watford in this game. But at the same time, they're in such good form and they'll fancy the chance against any side, particularly away from home at the moment. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 West Ham win.
0: I see a one-goal margin as well. But Watford's games, uh, losing they lost 3-0 to Arsenal in their last one at Vicarage Road. But Watford's games at home, they've been really tight, not many goals. So I see West Ham just nicking it 1-0. So both going for West Ham to win this one.
1: Moving on to the Hawthorns now, where West Brom hosts Leicester City. We'll start with the visitors, Pascal. Another goal for Jamie Vardy last time, out.
0: Yeah, that's 10 goals in 10 games this season, seven matches in a row, and he joins a real elite list with like Van Nistelrooy and Michael Owen on that list as well. So, an incredible achievement from him. And yeah, you mentioned it earlier, the way he took the goal. It really reminded me of that messy goal against Arsenal as well, the way he just flicked it over, and that just shows how confident he is at the moment. You know, if, if he'd been on a bad scoring run, he probably would have snatched at that shot. But the way he saw the keeper coming, just dinked it over him, and then smashed it in, you know, such a good finish from him. 10 goals now. This season, like I said, that's four more than anyone else, and just the way he's going. I mean, I saw a kind of ridiculous rumor yesterday that he's been sort of you know linked kind of to Real Madrid, which you know I just couldn't believe when I saw. I mean, I know he's playing well at the moment, but you know it's you've got to let him do it over probably a good sort of say at least maybe two seasons before you really consider him an elite striker like that. But certainly fantastic performance from him i still think he's probably going to drop off sooner or later i still haven't brought him into my fantasy football team i think he's going to probably drop off but the way he's going at the moment fantastic performances and yeah leicester you know they're doing well sitting fifth in the table there it's been a great start to the season and that game against palace you know a lot of goals were expected in that one palace you know famed for their really good away record not quite as good as say west Ham's, but still really good on the road they've had some really impressive results this season but for leicester to keep a clean sheet in that one i think it's their first clean sheet of the season huge for them and just a different kind of wins, the wins they have been getting this season. They've usually been outscoring teams this season, but they showed a different side to themselves there, relied on Vardy's quality in that one moment, and a really impressive victory.
1: Yeah, there wasn't too much between the sides, really, over the course of the 90 minutes. Was there a mistake from uh, Breda Hangeland? Really gave Vardy mm. the chance to get the goal, and he's never going to miss in the sort of form he's in. There was a disappointment in the midweek, though. They went out of the League Cup at the hands of Hull, a championship team which, you know, the way Leicester have been playing, not many people would have really seen that coming with the... They're such a momentum-based team, and you just wonder whether that that result, losing on penalties, is gonna is gonna harm their momentum, the, the the form they've got in the Premier League. But I'd probably say not, because they seem to be able to turn things around in games, even if they play badly in the first half. Something in the second half will spur them into life, and then they just seem uh, in unstoppable form. As you mentioned, fifth in the table now, three points off top. No one saw that coming. Everyone saw another relegation battle, but. Ranieri deserves so much credit for what he's done and the clean sheet last time out as you mentioned they kept the form at the moment you can't just can't really see them being stopped so far mm-hmm.
0: no yeah so they kept a clean sheet there. another team that's been doing that recently West Brom and that's who they faced. they've had back-to-back 1-0 wins over Sunderland and Norwich moving to the top half you know good results certainly Pulis would have eyed those games Sunderland and Norwich you know two teams right down there at the bottom he would have fancied winning those both and you know, just eked out both of them at Norwich last time. They rode their luck a little bit. Norwich did have some chances. You know, Myhill made a couple of good saves, but it was Rondon with the goal. It was good for him to get his goal, I think, because you know he, he got that goal quite early on. I think it was at Stoke when he, he sort of opened his baggies account. But since then, he sort of struggled a bit. Berahino had got the couple of goals they had scored, but good for him to get a goal. Really good header as well. It was a great cross in from the left, and a big win for West Brom. Like I said, up to tenth in the table because it was a bit of a bit of a shaky start to the season, wasn't it? They had some poor results, and certainly they've now just sort of pushed themselves away from the drop zone, and they're looking really solid. To
1: yeah, there's five clean sheets and seven matches now, which is a lot more what we expect from Tony Pulis' side. There were, as you mentioned, there were a few leaky moments in the, fir- in the first stages of the season, but the, that clean sheet record is a, a lot more lo- what we expect from Pulis'. At the other end of the field, they are struggling. Rondon, that goal was his first in a while. Lambert has certainly not hit the ground running there. Berahino has been on and off after that transfer saga during the summer. got the joint worst attack in the league with Watford. Only got eight goals all season. They've only scored more than once on two occasions so far this season, and they went on to lose both of those games. So that needs to improve, certainly, the other end of the field, particularly how, how much they invested in that area of the field uh, during the summer with Rondon, obviously, the big money buy mm-hmm. for them. So that's where they need to improve but defensively it's looking a lot better for them at the moment
0: certainly is and you know like I said about moving into the top half but they've got some really really tough fixtures coming up you know Leicester at home here we've talked about how good Leicester have been this season especially away from home and then you look at their next six fixtures Leicester at home here United away Arsenal home West Ham away Tottenham home Liverpool away and the next six fixtures all of those really really difficult and I don't think in any of those games they'll start as favourites, maybe just slightly in this one against Leicester. But apart from that, it's a really tough run. The positive for Pulis, they've got nearly a uh, you know, clean bill of health. Foster's still out in goal, but Myhill's been playing well in goal. And Morrison could come back in this one as well. So a, a near full-strength side and playing better defensively, they look sound. But like you said, just need to start scoring a few more goals. What is your score prediction for this one? I think it will be another really tight game. You know, West Brom's recent games have been very tight. Leicester, Leicester's was last week as well. So I don't see too much in this. I'm going to go for a one-all draw.
1: Yeah, for me, Leicester, as you mentioned earlier, they've been outscoring opponents. I can certainly see them outscoring West Brom. We mentioned West Brom's troubles in front of goals. Leicester, that one last week was the first time they had had, had not scored quite a few goals in one game. So I can see Leicester coming away with a win for this one. I'm going to go for 2-1. So we're going for one draw and a Leicester victory.
0: Two games on Sunday this week, and we start at Goodison Park, where Everton are up against Sunderland. Barnes will start with the home side, dropped into the bottom half after back-to-back defeats.
1: Yeah, you'd have to say both... Tough matches for them against Manchester United and Arsenal, but they were disappointing Defeats three nil against Manchester United, particularly disappointing. Arsenal two one. The goals they conceded in, the, in that game were both a bit soft. You know, Howard probably could have done better for both of them. Both headers, which was always disappointing for managers to concede. The goal they scored, they had a big slice of luck with with the deflection as well. So, yeah, not the best results. Obviously, as I mentioned, not the easiest games, but they bounced back in a way with. Um, a League Cup win in midweek, a penalty shootout victory over Norwich. Always expected to win that match, but you never really know in the League Cup with managers fielding slightly weakened sides. But I think that's an important victory for them, to, not only to get back to winning ways via penalty shootout, but also to keep them in the uh, with the chance of a trophy. hasn't been since the FA Cup in 1995, I think, since they last won a trophy. So it's a, it's a huge um, a drought Everton are going through at the moment. Too big for a club of their size, to, to be honest. So. With some of the big boys going out, the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal already out, uh, Liverpool, Manchester United, Man City in action uh, tonight. Before we, uh, after we film this one, it's a big chance for them to. to perhaps end that Joelton and I think the league cup will take on quite a bit of importance for them this season.
0: Yeah, the standout player for Everton last night was Joel in goal actually. You know, Norwich had quite a few chances he made a lot of good saves and that put the sort of spotlight on Tim Howard even more because of Howard's you know mistakes in that game against Arsenal. He, he was a bit flappy and I think he has been a bit like that in recent seasons. He can be a bit sort of he can be at fault from crosses like that and Martinez was asked in his press conference last night, you know, great performance from Joel tonight. Will he be in contention to start, you know, this game against Sunderland? And Martinez said, no doubt, Howard's coming back into the goal. He's my first choice keeper. And I think maybe, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Howard now. And if he puts in another, say, slightly dodgy performance, maybe Joel can come in, you know, um, for the next league game after that one. But for the time being, Howard will start. And if, if he makes a mistake, you know, that he looks a bit sloppy at the back. And they've now lost Jagielka as well, probably until the new year. You know, he had that challenge... Uh, from oxlade Chamberlain at the Emirates and Martina said after the game I think that oxlade Chamberlain was a silly challenge. You know, on his England teammate as well, there was no need for it and Jack Elka limped off. I think it's his MCL he's done in his knee, so he's out for about nine weeks now. That's a big blow for them and obviously him and Stones were looking pretty good as a central defensive partnership and there's now going to be a, a lot of pressure on Funes Mori if he's going to be the guy who comes in and starts with Stones. You know he's inexperienced in this league. Stones even though he's a really obviously bright young talent he's still very young as well so it's going to be a lot of pressure on that back line. You know Baines is still he's he's nearly fit Baines. But he's still out for a bit, so defensively they look maybe a bit ropey for this weekend, and perhaps Sunderland can take advantage of that. But like you said, you know they were two very difficult games, the last two Premier League ones, and it was good to go through in the League Cup, like you say, because you saw Chelsea and Arsenal go out on Tuesday. So that's two big teams gone there, and Everton, if they can get a favourable draw, say if they I don't know, get Wednesday in the next round, they'll, be, they'll fancy maybe making it through to the semis.
1: In terms of the league. The plus side for them is they've got all the big boys out the way now they had such a tough run mm-hmm. start to the season and to be honest sitting 11th place is not too bad after the fixtures they've had it gets easier for them from now on Sunderland obviously at home now fancy their chances in this match even though Sunderland had a really good result last time out which we're going to talk about The awful run of fixtures, it's over, but they they don't have the best record against Sunderland. They've only scored two goals in their last five Premier League games against Sunderland. They wouldn't have played the Black Cats at too favourable a time as this one, so they will fancy their chance of improving that record. But still, Sunderland, a bit of a bogey team for Everton lately. They've only won one Premier League home game all season. That was against Chelsea, really good win that Naismith hat-trick. Mm-hmm. But again, it comes down to the fixtures. They've yeah. played Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool and Manchester United at home so far this season. So, it's by no means an, uh, an easy run of fixtures that one. And you can't really read too much into the fact that they've only got the one home win so far this season. You'd expect that stat to improve significantly over the coming weeks.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Sunderland, they weren't in League Cup action because they lost to City in the last round. But their last game was that t- uh, weird-time derby against Newcastle. Massive game. Allardyce's first home game in charge because... His first game in charge of that game at West Brom, it was a disappointing performance. They didn't really do much. You would have thought he might have given them a lift, but they didn't really have any luck at the Hawthorns, and they certainly got a lot of luck against Newcastle. You know, in the first half, Newcastle were the far better team. They created more chances, looked much more confident on the ball. Sunderland, being the home team, they'd won the previous five derbies between the two. They should have been the team. Allardyce's first home game, the good record recently. They should have been the team, taking it to Newcastle. The complete opposite, Newcastle swarmed all over them had a lot of chances in that first half. They couldn't take any of them. Then Newcastle had a penalty shout turned down with the catamole handball, which would have been very harsh. They raced down the other end. They get a penalty of their own. We've already sort of discussed it, you know, that maybe uh, I think it was a penalty for the shove. Uh, that I thought there was too much force from Colaccini. I think he was right to, you know, just shepherd and ease Fletcher off the ball, but I think he put, stuck his elbow out too much, too much force. But the red card uh, against Colaccini was the wrong decision since been rescinded, but that obviously swung the tie in Sundance, vale, right on the stroke of half-time as well. Such a big time to score because... You've been under the cosh for most of the half, then Johnson sticks away the penalty, gives you the lead going into half time. You're a man up as well. And then, second half, they get one goal from the set piece. Uh, it was a really good volley from Envila, actually, towards goal. Billy Jones stuck it in. And then at 2 0, Newcastle just put everyone they could forward to try and get a goal. They almost did. They still created chances with 10 men, but couldn't get it. And then suddenly get the third on the break through Fletcher. It was a brilliant ball across from Eunice Kabul, and Fletcher stuck it away. So 3 0, obviously a great result for Allardyce against the rivals in his first home game. Sort of been a trend in Sunderland's managers in recent years. you know. Beating Newcastle early on in their tenure, but it wasn't the best performance by any stretch of the imagination. But a win's a win, that's a, a big weight off Allardyce's shoulders.
1: Yeah, it did flatter them a, a quite a bit, didn't it? And they'll be careful that, to make sure it doesn't paper over the cracks because everyone will be looking at that result. If you're only seeing the scoreline and not the game, you'll be thinking Sunderland could be starting to get going under Allardyce because Allardyce has got a fantastic record with teams battling against relegation. He's never been relegated as a manager. A, ideal manager to uh, sharpen Sutherland up particularly at the back so such a good result in your second game in charge is obviously going to shine a, a positive light on Allardyce but there are still problems there they've lost three in a row away from home without scoring defensively we know they've been shocking for the ma- vast majority of the season and they're missing O'Shea and Kabul at the moment which was their 1st choice centre-back partnership for quite a, a um, the early stages of the season so that's a big problem they've got a lot of injuries to deal with um, they're not. they probably not the worst hit in the league, but they're among them. They've got the likes of Barini, obviously a summer signing. Rodwell, Toivonen went off in the recent game against Newcastle, so they've got injuries to deal with, and they've got they've got poor performances to deal with. Even with that result, they've they need to improve their performances. Certainly, a long way to go for Sunderland, I think. Still.
0: Yeah. So Everton, they will start the match as favourites. Do you see them winning?
1: I do see them winning. I think, as I mentioned, that Sunderland, that victory over Newcastle did flatter Sunderland. If they put in a similar performance against Everton. I expect Everton to be improving at home from now on. I can see the Toffees winning this one fairly comfortably. I'm going to go for 2-0.
0: 2-0, yeah. I think it will be comfortable for Everton as well. I think Sunderland, I think the lack of you know, Phil Jack Elkin not being there, might, Sunderland might create the odd chance. Fletcher was bright in parts last week. I think he might be able to get a goal, but I think Everton, two goal winners as well. I'm going to go for a 3-1 win, so both see Everton winning this one.
1: Moving on to Sunday's later kick-off, which is Southampton hosting Bournemouth. South Coast Derby, Pascal. We'll start with the home side. One all against Liverpool last time out.
0: Yeah, going into that game, you know, all the focus was on Jurgen Klopp. You know, his first home game in the Premier League. So all the focus was there, and all the cameras on him. And certainly Southampton, you know, they sort of went under the radar going into that game. But I think the way Liverpool had been playing, Southampton might have fancied their chances there. They, you know, Liverpool weren't exactly playing well under Klopp. They'd had a lot of draws, and I think Southampton certainly would have thought, you know, we could get a win here. But the way the game went, a one all draw, certainly not the worst result. Leaves them eighth in the table, which is a solid start for them, but. I think in the second half, you know, the way they conceded the goal, I think you just have to give credit. You know, it was a great cross in from the right and a Benteke, a fantastic header, It really was right into the corner. And from then on, you thought that really might have lifted Anfield and maybe Liverpool might have pushed on to get another one, but they couldn't do that. And in the end, it was Sadio Mane with that scrappy goal at the end, you know. You know, he 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 was in the right position, he stuck it away, but then the problem was he went and got himself sent off. And I think it certainly was the tackle, looking back back at it, it was a second bookable offence, but, you know, it was the dying seconds of the game. And maybe you thought the referee could have just he shouldn't be letting him off but it was right at the end there and just to send him off you know a bit of a blow for them I mean he's going to miss the League Cup match in midweek so he will be available for this one they're not going to miss him in the league which is a bit of a plus I guess but the result itself, one or draw at Anfield, I think Ronald Koeman would have definitely taken that.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned, in 8th place now, and they'll be expecting to climb the table a bit now, because they've got a good run of fixtures coming up. They've got four of the current bottom seven in the next, in four of the next five Premier League games. There's Bournemouth at home, obviously this weekend. Sunderland away, we know how much Sunderland is struggling so far this season. Stoke at home, probably the toughest of the lot, and then Aston Villa at home as well. So they'll fancy quite a few points on that, and as they were expected to push for maybe a top six, top seven position. They're around there now, and with these good run of fixtures coming up, they'll be confident of it getting a few more points under the belt, starting to put pressure on those European places and certainly things are looking positive at the moment for Southampton, the position they're in.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, they face uh, Villa in the League Cup, you know, tonight we're filming this before then, but, you know, I think with the Arsenal and Chelsea going out, you know, it's a real chance for them in the Cup because Villa at home, you know, they're, they're without a manager at the moment, that's a real chance for them to win, you know, progress to the quarterfinals, of the League Cup, that would be a boost for them and, Certainly at home, you know, they've been pretty good. You know, their first home game of the season, they had that game to Everton where they lost 3-0, they were a bit out of sorts. They have to, Everton were very clinical in that game. But since then, they've scored 10 in four at St Mary's, since they've been scoring a lot of goals at St Mary's. We've talked in the past about how much better Peller is at home than he is away. And you talked about those fixtures coming up in four of the next five. You know, Bournemouth, Stoke and Villa all visit St Mary's in that time. And you'd, you have to say, in all three of those games, you would back Southampton to win. So like you said, they should be able to climb the table. Uh, their home form is better than their away form. You know, a points going going and getting getting points at places like Anfield will only help to sort of. And then if you can get the wins at home, like you said, that should really be the platform for them to sort of push to where they were last season, as sort of like a top six contender. That
1: will certainly be. Big favourites for this one because Bournemouth come into the match in pretty shocking form. They've they've, earned it for some of the ways they've performed so far this season, but the last two games have been a bit of a disaster for them, conceding ten goals over both of them, both five on defeats. Last time out against Tottenham, Kane then Dembele Lamella, you know, Kane hasn't been in the best form, so to concede a hat-trick to him would be disappointing, particularly as they made such a good start to the match with Matt Ritchie scoring the goal in the first minute. They would, that would have them, really. I know Tottenham are in good form unbeaten since the opening day of the season, the only team to have done that. But to concede to have scored in the first minute and then go on and concede five, really disappointing result for them. And as I mentioned, defensively, they were just shocking. Boric... Um, potentially at fault for it was at three goals. Mm. He had a really poor game in goal for them. And Federici is going to play in the League Cup at Liverpool tonight. And questions over whether he might come in in the league as well because Boric, he is prone to those errors. He's made quite a few this season. He can be a good shot stopper at times, but you'd say he costs his side quite a few points. And mm. he probably wasn't solely at fault. Um, Eddie Howe, after the match, was... Quick to say the whole team didn't defend well enough. Boric even said that himself that the whole team will take the blame for the defeat, but he certainly cost aside three goals. And they would, goal difference wise, is definitely a blow for them and just a heavy defeat. And they need to bounce back
0: from that, really. Absolutely. That's you know, like you said, 10 goals conceded in the last two. It means they've got the joint worst defence in the league, they've conceded 22 in 10. That's a joint worst with Newcastle. and you look at the we talked about their injury list a lot this season, you know, a lot of their injuries are from players further forward, you know, Wilson and Grader were the two big ones. I mean, they did lose Mings but he wasn't really playing and certainly Distan doesn't seem to have been the best signing at the moment. And the problem was last season in the championship they were so good going forward, but if if you were to say the weakest area of their game, it probably was the defence. You know, they didn't have the best defence in the league and they didn't really strengthen that area too much. He, I think Eddie Howe just thought that the players they got there, that he maybe might be able to sort of push them to, into a Premier League standard. But the way it's been so far, especially in the last two, I mean, Boris was at fault, you know, uh, big time in, against Spurs. And then the City one, they just kind of just looked outclassed really against City. So you maybe could argue in favour of Bournemouth that, you know, City and Spurs, the way, like you say, Spurs have been playing. Spurs looking good recently. We know City, they're the league leaders at the moment. So you could argue that, for a team like Bournemouth, you know you, you would never expect it to, you know, beat City or even get a point against City or Spurs. But to lose five-one in both is really disappointing. One positive we've talked about the last couple of weeks: Harry Arter looks like he's on, you know, right on the verge of returning. He might return this week, but they really do need him. He, he was superb for them in midfield last season. He just offers a different option in there. He, real box-to-box player, you know, gets stuck in in the tackle, but very good at shooting from distance as well. So if he can come back soon, that'd be a boost because. We already know that they've lost Wilson, Gradle, and their season really has been, you know, really potentially ruined by those injuries. Which
1: way do you see this weekend's match
0: going? Yeah, we've we've got a favour Southampton here. I think you know we talked about how much better they are at home and Bournemouth. This is a really tough. I mean, it's a really tough run of fixtures. Them City, Spurs, and then Southampton. Really tough trio of games And Southampton, I don't think they'll blow Bournemouth away like the other two have, but it should be fairly uh, comfortable. I'm going to go two 0
1: Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to go for a two goal win for Southampton as well. Bournemouth, they're shipping goals a lot. As I said, I don't expect them to concede five like they did against City and Tottenham, but I can see Southampton helping themselves to a few goals, Pelé perhaps getting in the brace or so. I'm going to go for a 3-1 Southampton victory. So both go for a fairly convincing Southampton wins.
0: And finally this week we have a Monday night match as Spurs host managerless Aston Villa. Barnes will start with Villa without a manager, Sherwood sacked after that 2-1 defeat to Swansea.
1: Yeah, huge news for Aston Villa, wasn't it? Those, just the sense in that in the air in that Swansea game that that was do or die for Sherwood and even though he comes out in his post-match interviews every single time fighting, he knew deep down you could tell that that was a must-win game. It just felt like if he didn't win that one, he was going to go because it's been such a poor run for Aston Villa, such a poor start to the season. The way it actually happened as well, extra gutting for um, Sherwood. You could, he looked on the verge of tears, to be fair to him, on the on the sidelines just the way he's, he obviously cared so much about it, but just couldn't get it done. Against his former club, he would have been against uh, Tottenham this week, where he had a good record. He had one of the best win percentages any Tottenham manager's ever had in the Premier League, but never seemed to replicate that form in, as- in front of um, for, for Aston Villa. And as I mentioned, the late goal to, to condemn him to the sack is even harder to take. He's now six Premier League defeats in a row for Villa, though, so... There can't really be any arguments about um, against him going. One point from 27 available since the opening day of the season, win against Bournemouth. So, the form, the signs have been there. The form's been poor for us. Villa. It's quite sad to see him go because he's quite good entertainment in the Premier League. But, you know, he can't really have too many complaints because four points from the opening 10 games is just a terrible return. And you could understand why the, hi- the club hierarchy thought if they didn't change something sooner rather than later, then relegation was inevitability.
0: Yeah, when we're recording this, there's no no new manager in as it stands at the moment. They play Southampton in the League Cup uh, later tonight, which is their first game. You know, you'd imagine that Southampton would be much more up for that than Villa if they haven't got a new boss in. You would have thought maybe the League Cups would just be a distraction, you know, away from the relegation battle because they did drop to the bottom of the table there because you know Sunderland beat Newcastle down there at the bottom. And look at the people who have been linked with the job. Remy Guards, the odds-on favourite at the moment, uh, former Leon manager. That's the only managerial job he's ever had. So. Be a bit of a risk, you know. Obviously, they must be impressed with what he, if if they're that if the rumours are that strong and he's that much of a favourite, they must be obviously interested in him and they must be impressed with what he did at Lyon. But that's the only job he's had. The second favourite at the moment is Christophe Gaultier another French manager currently in charge of Saint Etienne. So that's where they're looking at the moment. I mean, personally, I think it would make more sense to go for someone who knows the Premier League better. You know, Nigel Pearson's available at the moment. So is Brendan Rogers I think of those two, Pearson would be more realistic because you know I certainly think that Villa, if If you really think you can crack it in the Premier League, I think Villa is a very attractive proposition. They're a big club, you know, huge fan base there in Birmingham. I think if you can turn them round, you could build like a, you know, a good legacy there at Villa because it's an excellent club. They're a big club down there. And I think, I'm not sure if Rogers would drop to that level. You know, he was Liverpool manager, one of the biggest clubs, you know, in the world, let alone the country. So I think I'd be very surprised if they were able to get someone like Rogers. But I think Pearson is much more realistic. And after what he did with Leicester last season, I know, you know, he did fall out with the owners there and it was a surprise to see him go from Leicester. So I think. If it was me, I think Pearson would be the favourite. Maybe David Moyes, you know, if he leaves uh, Sauciedad in Spain. But for me, I think Pearson would be the best choice. But as it stands, it looks like it's going to be Remy Gard.
1: I do think David Moyes is an interesting option because his time with Everton, he was fantastic um, during his period. They obviously didn't win any trophies. And there was a couple of seasons where they went from challenging for Europe down to battling relegation. But then he finally got a bit of consistency. And out of all of the options, he probably seems like the most likely who's going to stay there for a while, make a bit of a long-term job of it. Pearson, you might say, be able to do that. Um, he did the, He was at Leicester for a few years before getting sacked. But you know, he's always been battling relegation. Aston Villa, they want to look higher aspirations for that in the long term, which is why Moyes might be a, a, a better option for me. But looking at whoever comes in, he's got a tough uh, tough time of things. Obviously, he's not going to be in charge for, in time for Southam- Southampton in the League Cup, but if they do appoint someone before this game, then they've got Tottenham obviously away, then Man City at home, Everton away, Southampton away, and Arsenal at home. That's in five of their first six matches, so that's a really tough run of fixtures to start things off. and It's not going to be easy to get them out of the relegation zone with that run of fixtures, and there's so many things that need to get sorted out. Attacking um, is the is the main one for them. They, only Watford and West Brom have scored fewer than Villa's nine goals so far this season. Obviously, lost Benteke in the summer, which is a big blow for them. Delphine midfield as well, so. It's going to be hard to improve that, particularly with the run of fixtures. But they simply need to do it.
0: One of those fixtures here, away at Spurs, who've been pretty good of late. Last time out, they went to Bournemouth, conceded. I think it was 47 seconds that Matt Ritchie put it in. I think Hugo Lloris, when he watches it back, he'll be annoyed at himself conceding at the near post there. But you know, Spurs hit back. You know, 5-1 winners in the end. Kane with his. I think it's the first time this season he scored more than one in a game. Got a hat trick stuck away the penalty with confidence and then a couple of other good goals there as well. So for him to get his hat-trick, because it was a slow start to the season for him, but he's always looked quite bright in all the games, I thought. He always to me, it always looked like those goals would come eventually, and against a side like Bournemouth, very out themselves, no surprise to see him get on the score sheet, Dembele stuck one away, Lamella with the other, you know, Lamella's been improving this season, Eriksen was good again, very creative, hit the post with a fantastic effort from long range, so, you know, that did end a four-game win streak in all competitions, you know, they have drawn quite a few games, and, you know, I think they'll go into this game, they'll be a little bit fresher than Villa, because they haven't had a League Cup game in midweek, so I think you know, point, uh, at the moment signs for Spurs, they do look good, they're up to sixth in the table with their, you know, good run they've been on, and, yeah, you know, that win last week, real sort of set the platform now for, I think, maybe a good run to going towards the top four.
1: Yeah, it is a really good run for them at the moment, unbeaten since the opening there of the season, as you mentioned, there have been a few draws in there, so they are only sixth in the table, they've been picking up the odd win, that would be the one thing that's um, concerning Pochettino, is turning those draws into victories, because if they can do that, they really will challenge for the top four, I think, pre-season conceptions of them was going to be perhaps challenging for 5th and 6th again, top 4 might be once again a bit beyond them, but if they can start turning some of those draws into victories then they're certainly within their grasp, they're only 2 points off the top 4 now with West Ham United 2 points ahead of them, only 5 points off top of the table, and this one I don't see it coming to an end this weekend for sure. They'll be looking to carry this on as long as possible. And they're such a tough team to beat at the moment. They just need
0: to turn some of those into victories. Yes, there could be a new man in charge at Villa by the time this game comes around. But as it stands, there's not at the moment. And whoever's there, you know, Villa, they haven't had a good run against Spurs recently. You know, they've they've only um, won one of their last 13 against Spurs. I think that was the last time they met in April. But... It's a big ask for them to win this one. What's your score prediction?
1: Yeah, assuming that Villa won't have a man in charge in time, I can see Tottenham winning quite comfortably here. It might change if Villa do get someone in because there's always a bit of a buzz around the club when a new man comes in. But for me, assuming that there's no new man in charge of Villa, I'm going to go for a 4 1 Tottenham win.
0: 4 1. I don't see it being quite that convincing. I think even if it's the caretaker man in charge or whoever it is, surely they're going to. You just focus on solely, you know, shoring things up at the back and trying not to get, you know, hammered in this game. So I think I still think Spurs will win, but I think it'll be just 2-0. So both picking Spurs to win this one. That's it then. Match day 11 done and dusted. Be sure to head to sportsmore.co.uk throughout the weekend for live coverage of an each and every game. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the
1: jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European Linen,